Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast. We're hosted by Kendall and Jackie. And here we talk about everything, well, horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and also the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, the tropes, and new episodes are launched every Monday. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TerranovaPod. And more importantly, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog too. Cujo. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? How's everything, Jackie? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing good today. No complaints at all. Excited. Excited. That's really it. Yes, today's a special episode because we also have a guest for the first time, Edgar. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. What's up? And also, you guys are doing a great job with your podcast. I listened to a couple of episodes and so far, I'm enjoying it every single episode. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate that, man. Uh, that was money well spent. We paid Edgar to say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we did, but we appreciate. It. <laughs> yeah. Um. The reason why Edgar is joining us today is because we're going to be talking about a movie that he and I both love. I'm obsessed with it. I watched it way too many damn times. Um. I'm talking about John Carpenter's The Thing, and uh, it's just. It's just so good. It's so good. It's so brilliant. And I'm obsessed with that movie. And I can never stop. Oh, same here. Like, it's actually one of my favorite, like, John Carpenter films. And also one of my John Carpenter's and Kurt Russell collaboration films that, to this day, still hold up and everything. Have, have they collaborated more than once? Because this is the first time that comes to mind for um, me. They collaborated four times. Oh, what think, other films? So, like, the first collaboration was... Uh, was a t like a movie like a TV adaptation of an Elvis biography that started in 1979. The second one was uh-huh. Escape from New York. Oh, it was Escape okay. from New York, and then Big Trouble in Little in Little China, and then Escape from LA. Oh wow! You know, I didn't I didn't know John Carpenter was involved in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, that was um because at that time, like he, since he was almost like typecast as like a horror director because of Halloween. He was trying to branch out to do many different movies. So like, hey, I don't want to be stuck. I want to be, I don't want to be typecast as this, as a horror director. I want to do many different things. Oh, wow. That's really smart on his part. I had no idea that. I've, I've seen the film. I just, I didn't even know. Learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know, insert rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I know recently you, you finally watched it for the first time, Kendall. Like, what did you think? Your first take, your first you know, feelings of it. Yes, yeah, I was trying to avoid telling people that because it's kind of hard to say that you're a horror fan and you've never seen a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, all, all week, well, I, every time I told someone what the movie I was about to watch, they were like, hold up, you've never seen this film before? I was like, come on, man, don't judge me. I'm, I'm young. <laughs> I don't know enough. <laughs> I've heard of it. I, I didn't know. I think I didn't know there were like what three or four different films that have been made over the course of his life. But uh, or even that was based off a comic as well. I didn't know any of this stuff. But uh, I've I, but I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I just never sat down and saw the entire film. So yes, this is my first time seeing the film. <laughs> uh, I guess like I don't know. Before I even get into my first impression, you want to do like a quick 
quick summary of what the film is about. I'll let you do it as an avid fan. You or I can do it. I'm fine with you. Um, I'll say, Jackie, you go, you go with it. Um, well, the summary of the thing is basically, you know, these, uh, the scientists go to, I believe, Norwegia, Norwegian, like, well, they go to some Norwegian place and um, they discover this, like, some type of alien spacecraft. And, um, well, not really a spacecraft, they, explode, they discover something's wrong where they're at right now. So a lot of these things happening. They realize that there's this thing um, basically uh, replicating who they are, cloning who they are. In a sense, coming them, it's a kind of like a parasitic type of thing, and they just it, it they have to like really they try to trust each other, otherwise they'll go crazy, they start turning each other, and it's just such an amazing movie about paranoia and a little bit of science, and oh god, it's just so good, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. It's like science gone wrong. It's just like oh, what can go wrong with discovery? Everything, no, and also Everything. I feel like um. Like what John Conversion was trying to do with the whole with the whole thing of iso- was isolation. Because remember, the whole movie takes place in mm-hmm. Antarctica and also in one in one um, scientific base. So making it like, yep. oh, they can't go outside because they will freeze to death. But at the same time, there is a creature going around trying to pick them off one by one. And since the since the alien is like a shapeshifter, it whole builds on the whole paranoia. Like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I might trust you, but still get away from me until we figure <laughs> out exactly how to defeat it. Yeah, it's it, it's perfect summary for the film. Um, I, and, and again, I'm happy you mentioned that because I was actually thinking that while I was watching it, like like I said, this is my first time seeing it. So seeing it, I was like, oh man, like they have to battle this monster and they have to battle the cold, which is probably the worst monster in existence. Huh? I don't mind a little heat, but you get too cold, it's it's over with. And uh, and they chose the coldest place that they could think of was Antarctica. So it was it was pretty good. But yeah, we can go, we can go into first impressions now to follow up to what Jackie was saying. So I say first impression like. Me being someone who hasn't seen a film before and knew like very little about it, I really, really enjoyed it. I know it's probably not hard to hear because I, I enjoy most of the films that we pick, <laughs> but, I, but I really enjoyed it. True, very true. <laughs> Jackie knows me. I'm not a tough critic. I come for entertainment. I don't come here to try to give every film an Oscar or to, to ruin a film. I come to have a good time. So, uh, but this film, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Kurt Russell, who had one of the best beards I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> he stepped to me and grow a beard out. I was like, that's, that's a damn good beard right there. Because I didn't even know he was in the film, honestly. The only thing I knew about the film going into it was John Carpenter was involved. I think this was like the second version, second film made based off a similar property. Uh, I knew that Keith David was in it, which I was sold there immediately because I love Keith David. And me and Jack, you already talked about how much we love that guy. So, oh no, Keith David's like, um, like we watching him. I always keep forgetting that Keith Davis was there. But yet, the thing mm-hmm. that made it worse for me was every single time I see Keith Davis, I automatically think of Spawn. So I'm imagining Spawn, <laughs> like Spawn in the movie. I'm like, no, I can't. Nope, stop it, Edgar. That is Keith Davis. Stop <laughs> imagining Spawn in that situation. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was he was dope. He was really hold on. Did he do the voice acting for Spawn? Um, for the animated series, he was Spawn. Yep. Oh, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, what hasn't this guy done? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I I've seen that was the one that was on HBO, if I recall right. 
Yep. Oh man, I'm gonna have to revisit that now. Like I've seen maybe a few episodes, but I didn't know it was he was the voice actor. See, the, the man is amazing. Obviously, he touches everything. But yeah, the the film I enjoyed it. It was really good. The effects were amazing. The effects were things that kind of caught my attention the most about this film, and it's easily the most memorable thing about this film. Aside from like how solid and straightforward the plot is, the effects for all of the times they they mm-hmm. showed the thing were really amazing. From like the dog to like the head that was like a spider monster. Like all of that stuff looked really really cool. And I can see some of, a lot of that stuff creeping people out even to this day. Movie was like really creepy more than like uh scary in a jump scare kind of way. It was just really creepy. How about um how about you? I know Edgar loved it, so I'm gonna hear I'm gonna hear Edgar say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, like um get again, like I was already like a huge fan, like John Carpenter films. Like, remember, he did like really good mo- like horror movies like Halloween, The Fog. And then all of that translated because remember, he used some of the staff that he worked with the fog into it, and then mostly I'm a sucker for practical effects. And I re- and I think that's a lot. One thing I love about the movie was like how the practical effects was like you could look like oh it's realistic and everything. And also yet again mm-hmm. with Kurt Russell acting was phenomenal. And also the one interesting fact that I just noticed when I was rewatching it, Ignacio Marcon composed the score of the movie. That that name sounds familiar. What what else has he done? He did mostly all the westerns, and he won like a Academy Award for doing the opening score for The Hateful Eight. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love The Hateful Eight. That movie was great. Oh, that's... Wow. Wow. Okay, no wonder that name was so familiar to me. That's amazing. Yeah, like... I get with the fun facts. I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) If you notice that John Carpenter is also a composer, and he does music for his own movies, but Mm -hmm. seeing Anissa Marcon, I'm like, wait, hold up. A Western... Like, a Western composer doing a horror thing? I'm like, hmm, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, it was... The music was great. Definitely something I remember about as well. How'd you feel about the movie, Jagger? I loved it. Uh, Again, to... You know, touch on what Edgar said. Like, I mean, you know this can tell about me, and whoever's like been listening to our podcast already knows what I feel. I <laughs> love practical effects as well. I've always talked about it. I love it, and I think that's the reason why I love this movie so much. It's just so well, like the, the special effects, all the stuff. Like, and a fun fact about the movie is that the cast knew what they were getting into with filming, but the special effects people kind of didn't tell them what the creature or all the stuff can look like. So when they were filming certain scenes, like, you know, with the spider, the head with the spider, they had no idea what the hell was going on. So them being petrified in that movie, that really them being petrified. That's real fear. <laughs> they were just like, holy crap. <laughs> they were like, what? And that I appreciate when, when like the cast and crew can do that. Where they just surprise them, like just, just go in just to see what happens. Because we, we kind of touched upon that when we're reviewing The Nightmare on Elm Street. Was created the same thing too. This is Kuroto's cast. That's I just love it, and the whole thing of isolation, not knowing who to trust anymore, and not even knowing if you could trust yourself because you don't even know is so good. It's so good. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a great film. I I enjoyed it far more than I, I initially expected. Like I thought, okay, it's the eighties. It's I expect like some of the, the cheesiness of the eighties to come with it, but uh. To tell you the truth, this movie didn't yeah. really have much cheese. It just had like uh, good characters, interesting characters. You get a, you get enough of a motivation from all of these characters. Kind of like everybody's trying to survive. Like that's a general motivation. Here. <laughs> How do we survive yeah. the situation? What do we do yeah. to get out of this? And I would say honestly, for most of the actions that all of the characters took, they were all justified in my opinion. Uh, to get even deeper into it, like I remember near the beginning uh, with Blair, after they had that first encounter with the with the dog, which that was that was fucking terrifying. I don't know for that was kind of scary even for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, remember at the very beginning of the film, they kind of introduced this dog as being chased by like a helicopter, and I remember hearing the first shot, and I was I was thinking, is he shooting at a dog? Like what the hell is going on? 
I assumed it could have been something because once again, I know a little, I know a little bit about the film, so I knew like, okay, this thing could transform, but I wasn't sure if it was a dog out the gate. But I was just more so shocked that somebody was shooting out a dog. So that kind of threw me off guard. But when they finally, when they first introduced the monster and they take the dog and put it inside of the the cage with the other animals, and then the lights go out and it just started to transform. That transformation was like really crazy. The effects on that were like phenomenal. It was it was so weird and so over the top and so crazy. It was it was it was something else. It was really. Yeah, it was it was really beautifully done too. Like I remember, it's funny because like when I first heard about the thing, I was in high school, and mm-hmm. I remember some girl I was you know friends with said, "Oh, you know, like horror movies is a movie called The Thing." At first, I was just like, "Girl, you're crazy. There's no such thing as a movie <laughs> called The Thing. Who made their movie The Thing? What the hell is that?" And then when I was a senior in high school, I finally saw it. And I remember just being like, oh, my God, <laughs> the whole entire movie, like it freaked me out so much. And yeah, like it's so horrific to see that. And you hear the dogs in the movie like freaking out. They know something's off with that damn dog. They're like, that's he's not one of us. What's, what's going on? <laughs> and then just to imagine to be that guy, he goes into check and then you see this thing morphing, killing all the dogs. And you're just there like, what the hell? I wouldn't know what to do at that point. I'd just be like, oh, I guess this is how we die. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but it was just, it was so good. Ugh. Oh, no, like, and that's the funny part about it. It's like, um, everybody, like all my friends that we all see, the, like, we see the thing. The first thing they mention is, is like the dog transform, like the transformation scene. Because that is like, mm-hmm. um, because like with, that's like within the first 30 minutes, that's when you actually see, that's when you actually see the eight, like the creature and everything. Yeah. And it's shocking. It's so shocking. Yeah. I mean, people have said that they consider the thing not just a creature feature film, but also a shocking film because of that, because it just makes you like grotesque in a sense, the way it morphs, the way it transforms. And I remember and um, I was watching something where they were talking about the thing briefly, and they had said that how it kind of shows agonizing pain. When you see it transform into things, whether it's a person or a dog and you see it morph and it's like it's painful. Like, it's really painful. You could just imagine the pain they're going through as the creature, as the person, the dog, and the creature itself, because they're morphing into something that's foreign. Oh, no. And also, if you've seen, like, some of the, like, the, like, the, like the transformation, you can actually see, like, the details of the face, and you see them, like, kind of, like, this, like, this, like, you see, like, the, like, how they're in pain when they're, like, when they're transforming, like, when they have, when you brought in the, like, the, that one body from the Norwegian base. Like you can see two faces mm-hmm. and you see both faces were in huge pain of the transformation. Yeah, it's it was yeah. it was crazy. It looked really, really insane. I, honestly, I gotta give them a lot of prop, not just for for the practical effects of it, which I know both of you guys love. And honestly, I, I think not until maybe a few years ago, fairly recently, when Jackie kind of kept bringing to my attention how how useful practical effects are and how much she loves them, that I kind of really pay attention to it a little bit more now. Yeah, it looks it looks beautiful. It looks amazing. It looks it looks so cool and so unique and so practical. And considering the movie came out in the eighties, it's still looks good i'm assuming because they're not running off of like the dated cgi they may have had at the time actually like you know making something which i'm sure is time consuming in its own right it gives you a look that doesn't age that's amazing that's that's really cool and I, the one thing i want to give this this movie credit for is actually like showing us the two things showing us the monster uh it just easily could have been the kind of film where you'd never see the creature you just kind of you're you, you see little hints of things that kind of let you know that somebody's not human but you never see the creature like you know there are tons of films like that right mm-hmm. i don't know if there were at that time mm-hmm. in, the, in the 80s but now you know in 2020 there are tons of films like that where it's a mystery of some sort and you just never really see the creature you only kind of get the big reveal at the end you don't get anything else but this film was very comfortable showing you the creature in all types of ways in the light 
not just in the dark, which like a lot of films tend to do where they want to kind of hide the creature or to add like aura to it. This film felt very comfortable showing you what these monsters actually looked like in like light. And that was really cool. I love that. Yeah. And what I think what was more frightening about the creature itself is the fact that it can be anything and anyone. Like no one knew who it could have been, what it was. Like it, it was literally anything. And I'm going to say this, like we've seen this many times, like, you know, Evasion of the Body mm-hmm. Snatchers did that. That's a classic. You know, in the too. 50s. <laughs> and even the remake of it, Invasion, also the 90s, the faculty did that as well. Where mm-hmm. you're just like, who's who? And I love when movies do that because it really, it really like, goes into the whole psychosis of like trust you know like where trust is so important and you're just like like, who do i trust do i trust you do i even trust myself you know like it's just uh, it was really well done story-wise oh no it is and i feel like there was like one scene that i literally had to pause we watch go on youtube to try to match up a like a particular scene it's with um when benny's screaming and looking at like and like and looking at everybody that scene mm-hmm. almost reminded mm-hmm. me of the 1972 vision of the body snatcher with um with sutherland just pointing and screaming oh yeah i haven't seen that in a very long time yeah so like when i saw that i'm like wait hold up that is like kind of like that, those two scenes was kind of similar because at the same time it's like oh both of them were like both characters where both um they both got infected, they both transformed into the into the alien, and they both had like the similar look and screamed when they got spotted out and everything. Yeah, and trying to figure out what they even do in a situation like that, it's crazy. It, it was crazy like that to kind of add on to the distrust of everyone in that situation, the paranoia. Like I feel like I actually took note of this while I was watching. I feel like uh, Doctor Blair in the beginning where he did the um examination at the thing it was like right after the autopsy where he when they fit kind of figured out mm-hmm. that the thing can transform into people make it and transform pretty much to anything it just make like a complete perfect imitation and he he went on a computer which it was funny watching those really old shitty computers that they had at the time but he was he was on a computer yeah. and he looked up how long it would take for it to infect the entire world if it like got out to like a civilized world to like everywhere else and it said like 27,000 hours yeah. which isn't very long considering <laughs> what that thing is and then he kind of like immediately pretty much lost his mind like he mm-hmm. was just like he, he he was like shooting at the guys and like wrecking everything and destroying everything and he was like we need to get out of here i'll kill you all like we all need to die if, if it needs to do this thing isn't this thing is crazy like we can't do anything about this we don't know how we can stop this we you know and he just kind of like pretty much lost his mind completely and and i don't know i took that as he was kind of okay with killing everybody just if, if that meant that thing could not get to the rest of the world everybody in this room could die for all he cared <laughs> and i was like you usually don't get that train of thought to the end of the film so getting that at the beginning is really interesting but i was like he kind of has the right idea because if you can't tell who has it and who is it you can't really tell how it's actually infecting people at least at that that point they didn't know the best thing you could do Mm -hmm. was everyone just die and leave this thing by itself what do you guys think yeah i agree it's true i mean it's funny because i watched it with a friend of mine who's never seen it as well and she was like she was she was she judged me mad hard about it she was just like what the hell you gonna be watching and i understood where he was coming from because you know he destroyed their transportation he destroyed the helicopter mm-hmm. he destroyed everything he was just like no one is going out of here because if this comes out you know how about how big that was spread and like what's going on right now you know with this whole pandemic look how fast it spread you yeah. know it, it's a virus it essentially is a virus the parasitic virus i it, i feel like it's a mixture of that and also his psychosis of saying what if you know he obviously had the what if in his mind where he's just like no this is going to be really bad if this gets out so I understand where he was coming from. Yeah, same here. And also, I feel like since he was like, um, I feel like he, like he was like the leader, like the leader of that of that group. 
So it was a kid's responsibility to make sure like, oh, nothing like for that, for the creature to leave and everything. So it's like rather he's already like, I do agree, like saying, oh, that he has mindset of, I don't care if everybody dies, as long as that creature dies with us, the world is safe. Yeah. And it seemed like the best plan at the time. Mm-hmm. What would what, you guys do in that situation if you were stuck in a scenario like that? You're trapped in essentially in the middle of nowhere. It's freezing cold. You can't really go too far. And you have this creature that could survive the cold. And it's just you and a bunch of people that you can't even trust anymore. Like, what would you guys do in that situation? I accept my death. I will do what I was trying to do, like, like what McCready did. And try to exactly try to figure out exactly which like was the per like who was the creature and kill the and try to kill it at that spot. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would just accept my death. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I give up. Just just whatever. Play some voodoo shit. <laughs> <laughs> that line cracked me up. That whole scene had me dying every time uh child said that. He's like, you believe this? And I was like, I'm like, yeah, he got a point. Like, I couldn't even imagine that you a scientist, you in Antarctica, they're studying all these other things. And like, like from the moment the way the movie even started, like these guys are chasing a dog in a helicopter, shooting at it with a sniper rifle. And you sitting there like, why the hell is this guy shooting at this dog? And then the, the guy in the helicopter, they were so reckless. He shot one of the crewmen, <laughs> but he didn't even care. That's what threw me off guard. He shot him. He didn't even go like, my bad. I didn't mean to shoot you. I mean to kill the dog. Like, granted, he didn't speak that language, but he didn't even like try to be like cool it down. He just shot him and then kept shooting after the dog to the point where I think uh, Gary was the one that ended up shooting him. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, man, what the hell was wrong with this guy? He's he shooting at a dog. And he, he, he shot me, man. This is insane. And I was like, yeah, this got to be insane. Like, what? Either there's something really wrong with that dog or that guy lost his mind. <laughs> so I, I guess I, I don't know if I was in that situation. I guess I, I feel like you only have those two options, right? Like either just accept fate, like Jackie was saying, or Charles McCready did and try to figure it out. Because honestly, what else can you do? You're in the middle of nowhere. You have no other options. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the film, they also mentioned how like the cold was getting worse. Yes. Yeah. I think there was like some type of storm coming in too. So they were just like, yeah, like what do we do? I think do? they said like the like um like I think it was like saying the blizzard was coming in forty like in forty eight hours, and then if you notice throughout the whole film, it was get there was it was like the blizzard was getting worse and worse at almost like each passing moment. Yeah, I think at one point they said it was supposed to be like almost negative one hundred, which I can't even fathom how cold that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you also seen like um like with like with McCready, he was outside for when he was checking up on the. Um, one of the other person that locked up in the shed. When you see him come back, you already see like the like the snow already frozen to his beard and everything, and you mm-hmm. see how cold he was. Like with the flamethrower right next to his hands, like yo, please, I don't trust you guys, but this flamethrower is keeping me warm. So <laughs> it's cold outside. <laughs> which which was your? Uh, I know we talked about the effects a lot, but which which was your favorite transformation out of all of the ones we saw? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Just pick one. Yeah. I think when um, McCready had them all tied up in that room mm-hmm. and that one guy starts turning, you see the flush and everything start melting out his face. I think that was that was my favorite because it was so gory. It was so bloody and so creepy. I, oh my God, I remember seeing that scene with my friend and I was just like, yo, if I was one of those guys tied up next to that thing, transforming that's it. i would have been like just kill me just kill me right now just kill me right now oh my god i would have freaked the hell out <laughs> how about you Aya? um i think it's like the first time when you actually see the like on um, when you actually see the alien for the first time like with the husband like, with the dog yeah because like um seeing it and then actually and then also seeing it like moving up to the like breaking the like breaking the ceiling and trying to go to the vents that's like 
because that's like the first time you actually see it and then the whole transformation yep. scene and everything yeah all those transformations are really crazy the to the one that uh actually to add on the one that that, that jackie mentioned with when, when they were all tied up together cause that scene was crazy i was also kind of laughing at what charles was saying he was like come on man unties like that was really <laughs> he was like right next to it but then that scene when the, when the monster like ate windows i was like man that's a that's a bad death like he he was so scared he didn't even like pull the trigger on a flamethrower and the thing just chomped him it was just like a venus fly trap yeah that was so brutal yeah that was Mm-hmm. Again, I just love this movie so much. It's just really good. Um, what about favorite characters? Like the characters were all unique. They all had different personalities. You know, they all had their level of fear and trust. But like, who are your favorite? You can go first, Edgar. Uh, yet again, like, um, it's gonna go back to I like I'm a huge like Kurt Russell fan. So like I like his character because like even though throughout her whole situations, like he was like, if nobody's not gonna step up, let me step up. Like he already remember he went to the Norwegian base. He he kind of had like a glimpse of how to kind of defeat it, but at the same time he already had like a lot of plans. Like just in case if somebody go a wall, we can do a b or c, and then just in case like I can have some people with weapons, some people with not. But we gotta make sure at least everybody's at least level minded. But yeah, at the same time try to figure out exactly who is still infected so we could try to prevent it from leaving. How do you say his name again? It was like Ms. McCready? Um, I'll say like, it was like, Mc, it was like McCready. Like it was uh, McCready, yeah. You know, I was I was watching the movie with subtitles. So it, the way it's spelled is pretty much Mac Ready. So I was yeah. like, is his name Mac Ready? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the no, same thing. I was watching that and it says like, Mac, like it was saying Mac Ready, but yeah, most of the time when it was saying his name was like McReady and stuff so, and everything. I mean, he was definitely ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he stayed ready. <laughs> yeah, he was not with the bullshit. He was ready the whole time. I guess uh, my favorite character was easily Childs. Childs was funny. He cracked me up. Um, one, it was it was good to see a brother in it. He actually lived to the end, so that's awesome. That John Carpenter get all the props for me for that because I was like, he had lines, he had all the things I want in a, in, a, in somebody who's in a movie, like in a black person in the movie. He had lines. He was a part of the plot. He was funny. He was not with the shit. He, you could tell he was like, man, I was hired to do a job, not this. <laughs> like he was not with the bullshit. But he was also down to fight if he had to. And yeah, I just I just like this character. He was great. It's Keith David, so I. By the form, I love him, but yeah, he, he was great. I love him. How about you, Jack? Both Childs and McGreedy, like those two, I both liked because yeah, because they're McGreedy was really ready. He was prepared. He was he was ready to take to take lead. You know, he took control of the whole situation. Even when people still didn't think it was him, <laughs> you know, when he came <laughs> back after checking one of the the cabinets, they were just like, like, oh, there's no way you could survive the cold like that. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, and Childs, yeah, like, I liked his character, too. Like, he was funny and he was smart and it was just really, really good. And it's funny how you mentioned how he survived at the end uh, because, you know, there's a fan theory going around about the ending. I don't know if you guys heard of it. They're still debating because the way it ends, it just ends with, like, you know, Childs and McGrady just sitting down, you know, drinking and whatever. So there's a theory that maybe Childs was still infected and... Maybe McCready knew that, and instead of giving him alcohol to drink, they gave he gave him gasoline. And if he was infected, the creature wouldn't notice the difference. So, what do you guys think about that? I like with that theory. Like, I actually do believe that theory because remember, like you already seen like Mc, like McCready already was fighting one creature, and we saw Charles leaving towards the other, like to another direction, like during the mm-hmm. whole final confrontations, and we never see mm-hmm. like Charles what he did throughout the whole time. 
Yeah, because McCready was like, "Where were you, Childs?" And he he was like, he said, I, f- "I forgot his exact wording, but he said something." I was like on the other side of the camp or something like that. He said that he saw Blair's going somewhere, so he was trying to follow him to make sure what he was doing. Oh yeah, okay. To tell you the truth, I didn't know that was even a, a conversation people were having until I started doing research for this episode. <laughs> like watching it, I I I, I assumed they were both human, mm-hmm. largely in part because of what the what the hell McCready just fought. I was like, that seemed almost like the boss battle of like, yeah, because they don't even really have a name for it. So whatever the thing is, the thing is, that seemed to kind of be like the boss battle version of it, like as big as it was going to get. I just assumed at that point that 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 was once he killed that, that was it. Um, By that, by then, I think what the only people left was pretty much him and Childs. If Child, Childs wasn't, you know, off screen dead as they pretty much did to the other black character, Knowles. I know it was, they said it was in part because they didn't get a chance to re- they didn't, they didn't get a chance to film certain scenes because he just died off screen pretty much. So I know, no, like, I didn't know that while watching it, but I knew, I was like, hold up, where, where the hell the Knowles go? Like, I was so confused by that. Childs reappearing didn't really come off to me as a red alert because I was like, well, clearly they don't, they feel comfortable killing people off screen. So, Maybe they just was like, he's just going to pop up and then that's just going to be it. Yeah, I, I didn't even think that he could possibly be it. I was like, they both already went through hell. Um, At this point, if he was the monster, I felt like the monster would have attacked McCready because McCready was the only one left. Like, it has no reason mm-hmm. to wait. <laughs> it's he's the only one left even in in some of the research uh when they some people i think it was have interviewed the cast about it interview like keith david and i forgot who else who was on the film about it and he said i ain't thinking nothing of it when we shot it like they didn't say hey act like you may be possessed or act like the, you may be infected or anything like that he was like i didn't know anything of it he was like but it is the question he said he gets the most from fans because they're always curious and he's like the script didn't really lean one way or the other we just kind of did it and then people were telling him about the different um, the different theories that people had, like between the gasoline and, and uh, even one about the smoke coming out, no smoke coming out of his mouth. And he was like, hey, man, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's been 30 something <laughs> years. He's like, I, I have no idea. I, I wasn't told. To yeah, even, even Kurt Russell, because he was one that actually was 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 given that whole theory. And he was just like he said the how like, oh, um, it's an interesting theory. But if you didn't watch the movie for all it was, then you don't know what what this is about. You know, essentially at the end, he does ask him, where did you go? Kind of, you know, basically yeah. going with the basis of the movie is paranoia, <laughs> trust. Like, where were you? Are you you? Am I me? You know, where it's just like, do I trust you? You know, and I think that's really the main purpose because I I like the way he ended it, and it's funny because Wes Craven has three endings for this movie. Yeah, like there's three different endings. Because like the happy ending was, um, Caruso was saved, and but yet it's still, but yet when he got saved, they still tested blood, and they still don't know. Like after when he tested the blood, they ended the the happy ending right there, thinking, oh, he might have it, he might not have it, but when he was doing the testing of the ending. Everybody hated the ending. Yeah. And the third ending is that the dog appears again and he escapes. And that's it. That's how the movie ends. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the third ending. But they really liked the way they ended it this way. And it kind of keeps it open, like really open. You know, some movies do that where it's up to interpretation. Like, what do you think? Blah, blah. Um, Really the only person who knows the truth is Wes Craven. I mean, um, John Carpenter. He's the only one that knows the truth (laughs) about what happened (laughs) in the ending. Yeah, I mean, I just like that because it does give a sense of like, who is it? You know, like trust. You know, I mean, it's a fun theory. You know, I, I still think maybe one of them is affected in the end, or maybe somehow the parasite evolved, you know, evolved in a sense where 
you no longer have to, it, it don't longer have to react to react to heat like it did before and then testing did like it's yeah it made a perfect replica where it's no longer you know subjected to tests and whatnot and that's scary to think about hold on at, wh- at what point did that where was it that happening what which part the uh body being resistant to heat um so when they were testing when mccready mccready was just like let's test who is who and he took blood samples everybody and he used a hot needle so when he was putting the hot needle into the blood if it reacted to heat that's how you know that mm-hmm. they're infected yeah and then you know fast forward to the ending with mccready and childs it's like it makes you think like maybe it finally perfected it the the whole replica thing maybe it finally became a, a full form where it no longer is going to be you know sensitive to heat oh okay i get what you mean that's a good point. I never yeah. thought about it that way. That, that adds a whole nother meaning to the to the ending. And that's scary as how I think about it. You know, like if that was the case and they were able to be saved, like that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed they both were going to die, which was kind of what Blair wanted. And McCready even said at one point, too, he was like, we all just going to die. because ain't nobody coming to rescue us anyway. But let's try to fix, stop, at least prevent this thing. If we die, it'll die with us. Yeah. And it was getting cold. So they probably did die in the cold. Yeah, you know, in the freezing weather, you know, frozen to death, and again, such a brilliant movie. <laughs> you know, when in research, I was really surprised to find out that the movie wasn't well received when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh John Carpenter blames ET for it <laughs> to this day. He still <laughs> blames ET. He said it was ET's fault. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, because when I was looking, you know, researching it for for this episode. You know, the thing came out at the time when Blade Runner came out. And that was a huge theatrical, you know, release. I think it came out yeah, the same day, and, I think, right? Yeah, that and what else came out at the time? Yeah, E.T. came out, but there was something else that came out too that year. I forgot what it was. And because, you know, box office, you know, stuff and all this stuff, like competition, that's why it didn't do that well, the movie. And it, it flopped, which is funny because it's just like it flopped then. But then fast forward now, it's, it's considered one of the highly praised movie ever. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's and I, I, it's funny that he would blame E.T., but I kind of laughed at that because I was like, well, one one film has a more broad audience versus another. Like, I can totally see this film being really, really scary to a lot of people. And E.T. is a family friendly film. Like, they're not even in the same genre really but yeah timing i'm sure was a huge part of things the movie is a great movie it is funny how he blames the it i mean um E.T. yeah et for it yeah do you want to add on why you, uh, you think the uh it wasn't well received the first time um if you notice it was going against like a lot of juggernauts not juggernauts at that time like you have i think 1982 was like the most interesting time of movies because you had et that was like dominating the box office at that time. And then also you had one of my favorite movies, even though it didn't do extremely well with the thing, Blade Runner as well. Mm-hmm. So even though like Blade, both Blade Runner and um, and the thing didn't hold up too well because you went against 18. But I feel like later on in the years that a lot of people did appreciate it because it just stepped out of the shadow of 18. Yeah, because they were saying how, like, you know, E.T. was an alien movie and the thing's an alien movie. So you're competing with another alien film. And, you know, Steven, Steven Spielberg E.T. was just like, it was everywhere. It blew up. It was a family film. Everyone watched it. It, it broke records. Yeah, I loved E.T. as a kid. <laughs> I'm sure I'm still like it now. It's mm-hmm. a good movie. 
Yeah, it was definitely good. But yeah, you were asking about the different versions. Yeah, that was gonna ask you. But have you guys both seen like the other versions of the film? I haven't. How many versions are there at this point? There's three. Yeah, so there's the one from 1951, which is the thing from Another World. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have John Carpenter's The Thing, and then you have 2011 The Thing, which they dub is not a remake, but it's a prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. And I recently watched it, and it, it makes sense why they say that. Um, uh, why? Well, for the 2011 The Thing, um, it actually takes place in the Norwegian camp that McCready goes into in John Carpenter's film. Oh, okay. And you get to see the destruction of what happened in that facility. And the movie, the 2011 movie ends where John Carpenter's movie begins with the dog and you see them chasing after the dog and that's where it ends. So it leads into Uh, when, you know, their camp comes in and it was pretty good. I mean, again, you kind of do see all I mean, again, it's not... Is nothing compared to John what John Carpenter did with his staff in the you know the nineteen eighty two version because you know practical effects. The two thousand eleven mm-hmm. had a little bit of both, but also a lot of CGI in it to make it more like you know in your face. But it wasn't as how it how, how it was in John Carpenter. And it's funny because the director at the time who did the two thousand eleven said that how he wasn't trying to replicate it. He didn't want to. He wanted to be its own thing. Because nothing can compare to John Carpenter's, you know, what he did. And I get that. It wasn't as creepy. The isolation thing was still there. You know, that was still a Mm -hmm. factor in it. Um, But it wasn't as creepy to me as um, John Carpenter did. It was more paranoia where just like when they're running and being chased by it, it just makes you anxious. You're just like, oh, my God, I was (laughs) going to get that. I was going to get caught. Yeah, that one. Oh, no, like I seen the bits of pieces of the of the original one mm-hmm. they there's some things that they kept the same from the from the original one to the to john commerce's the thing was the blood test mm-hmm. they kept their, everything the same but yet they switched up certain things about it because like i think like i seen the creature for the first one was really crappy and then <laughs> i think for, for which one the one that came out in the 50s yeah the one that came out in the 50s yeah like i seen like i think this like the creatures of it i'm like oh no forget this no like and like <laughs> and I, I didn't want to see like I saw a little bit of the 2011, but then I got t- and I got for some reason I got tired of it and I went to watch something else. <laughs> were you were you comparing it too heavily to the John Carpenter version or? Yeah, I was comparing it like too heavily like on like John Carpenter and then try to figure out exactly like so it, these are like the moments leading up to it. Are we still gonna see a lot of feet like a lot of things? That's will that will eventually lead up to it. I'm like, and then throughout the whole time, I was like, eh. And at the same time, it was like the whole thinking to myself, oh, it will, and also I had the mindset, oh, it's gonna be like a remake. And my mindset of remakes is like, ah, eh, it's not gonna live up to the original. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Remakes is always a it's hit and miss with remakes. You're never really sure what you're gonna get. Sometimes it's an exact replica of the old film. Sometimes it's a to do twist. So I, I can understand that. Though actually, I'm, I'm cu- kind of curious about the one the version in the '50s. Like, did you see the whole thing? Can you tell me a little bit about it? I only saw like bits and pieces of it, and it was mostly like because I was watching a, I was watching, I forgot was it like it was a long time ago. I was watching like a YouTube video comparing both of them, mm-hmm. and so it was mostly I only saw bits and pieces of what they had in the like on that video to compare it to the John Carpenter's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I recently watched it. Did they use? Yeah, I should probably check it out as well. Did they use? I'm guessing they used practical effects in the 50s, right? Like it was. Yeah, um, the creature 
is essentially a man in a suit. That's pretty much what oh, it okay. is. Um, and I did watch it. Um, I was kind of in and out of it because I think they were giving it during you know how October week for you know TCM mm-hmm. classic horror movies. It is very similar in a bit to the to the nineteen um, John Carpenter's the thing, but when I was rewatching the twenty eleven one, that is more of a remake of the nineteen fifty two movie. Oh, okay. Because everything about that film was just like the nineteen fifty one version. When they find the creature um, is starring, the way it explodes and kills everybody, it was just like 1951. That's why, I, again, it's funny how the director of 2011 said that how it's not a remake, it's just a prequel, but it's like it is kind of a remake of the original one. Mm. You know, I mean, all three of them based their whole story on the short story, you know, uh, of who's there, which is what the story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they just did their own different interpretations of it. But yeah, there was a little because I mean, the thing is kind of like a continuation of the first one where the creature is already out. He's out. He's already affecting things. You know, in the 1951, they had just discovered it before it was affecting people. So that's how I see it. And John Carpenter swears it's not a remake. He's like, it's not a remake. This is our own thing. And it's funny because the original director of the 1951 um, Christian Nyby actually doesn't like the new one, <laughs> the John Carpenter one. He he was just like, if you want blood, go to a slaughterhouse. You know, and that's not what we're doing with this one. You know, we didn't we didn't want to do all this blood and gore and all this stuff. So he actually wasn't a quite good fan of John Carpenter's <laughs> the thing with that with that comment because I wasn't even really sure how to take that comment. That, that comment seemed like a more like an insult than anything else. Was it is the 1950 version still considered horror? At that, I feel like at that time it was considered as horror because I think there wasn't that many horror movies, and I think the last horror movie they had was like what twenty plus years ago with the Universal Monsters, and they were more. Mm-hmm. And remember, like at that time, there wasn't gore heavy; it was mostly like jump scares or here's the monster. Oh, okay, so yeah, they do that, yeah. pretty much was just disproving of the blood. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because um, it kind of goes back to John Carpenter's Halloween. There was that there wasn't really that much blood in Halloween. And then when Halloween two came out, he was just like, okay, let's let's put up the blood. Let's bring it up a bit. <laughs> no, that's really interesting because 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 honestly, if you would have told me that the the nineteen fifty version wasn't horror, I would I would be like, oh, that sounds like somebody just kind of shitting on horror as a genre again because you know that was always a thing within the entire genre for a very long time. It's just kind of kind of recently getting rid of that taboo. But a question for you guys is something that I forgot to put up on the um, on the on the notes, but they just announced that Bloomhouse wants to do like a remake of the thing with John Carpenter's still being attached to it <laughs> like um so what are your thoughts on do you think it's going to do extremely well or it's going to be eh i'll let you go first jackie i mean they said what that john carpenter's gonna be part of it yes he's gonna be attached to it but they didn't really say if he's gonna return as a director or anything he's just saying that his name is already attached to it um if it's a sequel i'm all for it i mean i wouldn't know how They'll do a sequel unless the whole theory of a child's is real. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, because if, if he re- if he remakes his own thing, like, you know, how he did Halloween 2018, I guess it would be interesting 
because maybe he might base it more so on the short story. I mean, he kind of did, but there were some elements he changed. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It's iffy because, you know, what he did with 2018, he didn't, he didn't direct it. He, you know, was behind the scenes. And that was a great film. You know, Halloween you film? Know, 2018 Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he, he, he was, you know, he, I think he helped produce it or he did something behind the scenes. But that was a great film. So I don't know. It's a toss up. I'm not sure. What about you, Kendall? Well, it, it still feels new to me because I've just seen it for the first time. But uh, one thing I really, I would say I liked about the story is that the way it ends, it doesn't feel like they were planning on making a franchise out of it, which is good. Like it, because mm-hmm. they could have easily went with like the dog ending that you mentioned, where you see the the thing becomes a dog and it kind of runs off, and they could have easily done that and then made a hundred thing versions, a hundred thing films, and then we'd have been like the thing fifteen, like Halloween. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly they have, they wanted to avoid that, so that's that's good. With them remaking it, uh, part of me hopes that they do just like a new story, like I really. Like an entirely new story. You call it a continuation, call it a sequel, call it a prequel, whatever you want to call it. But I just would like to see an entirely new story if they're going to redo it instead of giving us this story again. So like at least with the 2011 version that was mentioned, you guys said that they were trying to present it as like a prequel. That's fine. I think that's that's pretty fine. That's good. Um, But if they just remade it again in like our day now, I'll be like, there's definitely things they can change, but I just would probably be more likely to enjoy it or prefer to watch it if it was a different story. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a world where the thing took over. Maybe it's a world, we see the world that the thing came from. Um, It could be, yeah, there's probably like, there's probably things there that they can explore within this universe. I just, I would hope Mm -hmm. they explore that versus just giving us the story again. Yeah, I agree because I mean, Wes Craven's, I mean, oh my God, Wes Craven, John Carpenter's <laughs> The Thing, um, it still holds up to this day. You know, even rewatching it now in 2020 is still such a good movie. You know, it still kind of gives you the, oh my God, you know, when you're watching it. And I've seen the movie way too many times and it still makes me feel that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to feel about it, you know? Like, um, with me, it's just depending on, like, on like if they're going to like if they're going to keep the practical effects who are they going to have for their practical effects who is it who are they going to find for the director or who are they going to find like the right cast to fit the roles pretty well and also are they going to be like a like similar to like oh like the rich like the 1972 version like everything will stick to the pit like everything will be like an adaptation or is it going to be like we're going to change some things here or there just for modern times, but we are still going to keep the elements of it. Yeah. So I agree with all of that. Like it, it really, it really would depend. And I, I would hope they do practical effects if they do it again, or at least make the CGI match the practical effect in some ways. I feel like that would, cause that that's in my opinion, that's really the trademark of this film. It's the effects. The story is great. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not necessarily a story we have never seen before. Uh, when it came out, I'm not sure if it was even the first time people have seen this kind of story where like people were isolated and had to deal with fear. Um, but, I think I think Alien came out before, so they still had like the whole sense of isolation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Alien was I think it came out in 1980, right? It might have came out like a year or two before us. Yeah, because I know it came out during like the late 80s, like no early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, so cool. So even like, yeah, the idea of like isolation and fear isn't necessarily new, but the practical effects and what they're facing 
and plus, you know, the element of cold is what makes it a really, really unique story. So, yeah, I would hope they keep some of that stuff in, in the event that they actually do decide to do a remake. Bringing John Carpenter back can't hurt. I'm sure there's probably things he would probably want to do differently or make a different kind of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm over to it. Uh, one, one, actually, one more comment I wanted to add about the with the I think it was the director for the 2011 version where he said, um, and I'm only mentioning this because of it kind of ties into how good the 1980s film was. And one of the articles that I was reading, the director for the 2011 version was saying that um, the film that we know now from 1982. He was like that a film like that would probably be really hard to make these days because a lot of studios are trending towards getting young filmmakers forcing kind of like uh, nudging them and forcing it a film in a direction that the studio prefers versus necessarily the vision of the the young filmmaker. And like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think mm-hmm. a film like this could kind of be made today? Because, you know, it's a slow burn. He was kind of saying all of that stuff would go like they don't really do slow burn movies like that anymore. But what do you guys well, think? I feel like with that quote, with that quote is completely wrong. Cause if you're comparing it to remember, like, um, if you compare it to like a movie that came out with that same year, Blade Runner, and they had the sequel to it, like Blade Runner 2049, like 2049, mm-hmm. like, and that movie was an extreme slow burner, but yet they entrusted the um, the director saying, "Hey, we are giving you this beloved franchise, like this beloved, like iconic movie. We want you to continue out." off of it to me i enjoyed like they run in 2049 but yet at the same time it all goes with if you find the right director the right cast and also yet again the right production like production studios to do like to do the movie justice and if not you are going to get one of those run of the mill here is a copy and paste rushed out movie that's not horror movie that's not gonna do extremely well yeah i agree with that I do agree with that because, um, yeah, because, yeah, Blade Runner was a slow burn movie. I've watched the original one. It was, it took a long time. I mean, it's not for everybody, but I, I feel like it would still do good if it was released today, you know, given the right, you know, cast and crew and production studio. And it will make more sense today with what's going on. I feel like mm-hmm. it will make more sense even now with that whole parent. Because remember, I mean, talking about this whole pandemic, you know, you have people who are asymptomatic. They don't know they have it with the thing. No one knew who was the thing. Good you know, point. when it comes into that whole trust thing, where it's like, can I trust you? Are you safe? Am I safe? And I feel like if that came out today with the right cast, crew, production, everything, like it would actually do really well. And it will make so much sense with what's going on today. That's a great point, actually. And I, I never really thought of it in terms of like, you know, new terms, this day and age with COVID and everything, you know, people scared to touch someone, scared to be around people, just scared to be seen near somebody, whether you are or aren't wearing a mask. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's terrifying. No, exactly. Like, um, like right now, like I work at, like Jackie knows I work in Bars and Noble. There's been times I had to go up to people saying, hey, can you please put on your mask? And if not, you could just leave straight out of the door, like, you could just leave. Because mm-hmm. like with that, the whole thing is like you never know exactly who has it, who does not. And then if people comes up to me, I move far, like I take a couple step back and okay, what is that you're looking for? Let me go find it. And I literally point out the book. Say, oh, the book is right there, and I walk away. Yeah, it sounds like a very like unfortunately a very emotionless interaction. And then with this film, they kind of did that, you know. But the, the only way they knew who was who was you know the test, the blood test. And then in 2011, 
they did a similar test, but it wasn't with blood. It was with the fillings. Because they discovered the creature cannot replicate um, fillings. You know, like, you know, like oh. if a, a plate is, is in your hip or your arm or whatever. And when the doctor in the movie, she was able to do the test. She was like, open your mouth and let me see your fillings. And that was the way they knew who was who, you know, and again, it, it really is terrifying. It's, it's a terrifying thing. When you really think about it, considering what's going on now, it's even more so if you think about it, like if that came out today, it would be so relatable in people's fear and anxieties and paranoia. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, this film definitely plays into all of that. And <laughs> it's unfortunate that it connects <laughs> with today's day and age, but, uh, yeah, you're right. And I um to go back to the comment you made about the um how how well we we made about like how emotional she interactions has to be like at your job. Actually, a good really good example of that in the film is when uh McCready when he shot uh Clark when he shot Clark the guy who was hanging around the dogs when he picked up the knife and he charged oh, yeah. him and McCready just shot him. You know he shot him without even a second thought and he was down. And you know remember they had the dead bodies on the table and they were examining everyone's blood to see who was who. And mm-hmm. when he tested Clark's blood, he was human. And then Childs was like, that makes you a murderer. Yeah. And he didn't even like flinch or even have a second thought about it. He was just kind of like, all right, move on. And I guess that's, that's kind of what happens when you, that's kind of what happens when you devalue or just remove all emotion from something that's supposed to be kind of life altering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I remember that scene. I remember because he was so paranoid of him because I remember the, the scientist was telling him, like, watch out for Clark, watch out for Clark. And so yeah. he already had it in his mind, like, okay, Clark's infected, Clark's infected. And then, yeah, they did the test. It came back negative. And then, yeah, Charles was just like, you're a murderer. It's frightening, you know, because it's just like, well, we're in a dire situation where I don't know who's who. So what? Let's move on. It is what it is. Yeah, that's crazy when you could do that in a film, let alone when stuff like that will happen in real life. So. Yeah, any last comments before we get out of here, guys? Mm, I feel like, what yet again, like, the movie's, like, like the movie's awesome. And I actually liked how John Carpenter still continued using Kurt Russell even later on throughout his whole career. And I'm actually quite glad that, like, this movie, I'm quite glad that they actually went with Kurt Russell for the lead role because they actually had a whole bunch of really interesting actors that they wanted. They had, like, Nick Fulte. Um, I think they also wanted Jeff Bridges at one point. Oh, wow. That'd have been cool. Jeff Bridges is awesome. Yeah. And then I think all like all the other actors like said no. And then and then John Carpenter's like, oh, I already worked with Kurt Russell before. They just meet, they just put him again in the movie. Yeah. Great decision. How about you, Jackie? Again, it's just, it's just great. You know, it talks about nothing. <laughs> because again, like it's not just a creature feature. It talks about real human emotions, you know, paranoia, fear, trust. Watching it now with what's going on, it's just, again, it, it's relatable. You know, isolation. We're all quarantined. <laughs> you know, yeah. We have to be isolated. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie is speechless, and I think that's our note to get out of here. Edgar, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, man. We're gonna bring you back when we get a chance. Yo, thank you, thank you. And that actually is like a really good like. Thank you for bringing me on in the first place. And I'm hope like I'm hoping you guys continue it, and your podcast is already awesome and everything. Yeah, oh, thanks. Thank oh. you. Keep praising us. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Jackie is too much but, right, let's get out of here until next week guys Ooh, yeah. Goes bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>